Hi, welcome to this Property Life podcast. My name is Mark Winship, and this week I'm delighted to introduce Caroline Claydon, who will be lifting the lid on the system she's used to build her property empire over the past 14 years. It's a huge privilege to get this kind of insight from such an experienced investor. In this special episode, Caroline quite literally gives you a roadmap to follow so that you can build your own property portfolio and increase your net worth. Caroline has so many gold nuggets to share with you, so make sure you've got a notepad and pen to hand. And without any further ado, let's hear now from Caroline Clayton. Today, we are going to talk about the system that I have followed over the last 14 years when investing properly. Uh, spent 10 years doing it completely wrong and then learned this system. And I'm going to talk you through a step-by-step process that you're going to need to have all of these elements in order to have your business streamlined and operating as well as it possibly can. So we're going to use the acronym SYSTEM to help you with following it. And the first letter in SYSTEM is obviously S. And we kick off with S for strategy. We have to be very, very clear on what we are trying to achieve. And this is a tricky one because most people just say, well, I want to make more money, right? (laughs) I just want more money. And then they maybe choose a strategy based on their short-term needs rather than actually what the long-term plan is. So let me help you uh, break it down. So, Understanding the difference between active income and passive income is really helpful because passive income is you do the work once and then you get paid monthly forever. Active income is where you get a a payment, a lump sum of cash um, by doing carrying out an action or a skill. So in property, an an active income stream would be flipping a property, right? Buying a smelly house, doing it up, and then selling it back on the market for a lump sum of cash. That is active income because you have to keep flipping the properties in order to make the money. And passive income, as an example, would be buy to lets. Do the the work once, buy the property, renovate it, and then get it tenanted, and then get paid um, monthly without having to think about it. So ideally, you want to have active income in your business feeding your passive income strategies. Now, if your aim is to leave your job, your job, if you think about it, is active income. You have to keep turning up to your job in order to make your paycheck at the end of each month. So swapping your job for flipping properties, which is an active income strategy, is not a particularly safe or sensible choice because you're just swapping one active income with another. So the pressure and the strain and the deadlines and everything are still there for you. However, if you remain in your job, choose to flip properties to then raise seed capital to to buy passive income strategies, then that's more sensible. However, I would argue, do you really need to be flipping properties to get that seed capital? Maybe you should just be a little bit more resourceful in raising money and get straight into the passive stuff immediately. So the goal of 
whatever it may be, leaving your job, as an example, needs to align with the strategies that you choose. And this is a common part of the system that people don't spend an awful lot of time thinking about. And they get a little frustrated with, like, oh, I don't know what my strategy is. And they they start to, to just think, well, I'm just going to start with buy to lets because that's the easiest and it's the, and it's the smallest uh, strategy to start with. So I'll just start with that. So give it some time, give it some thought. If your short-term goal is to leave your job, then let's focus on, let's say, three core strategies to get you to that point. And then what's the vision beyond that? Because again, we want to be aligning our entire process of strategy progression in line with that long-term goal. So if the the dream lifestyle is to have um, a, a nicer home, family home to live in, to do some travel, to have the nice cars, parks on your driveway, um, to buy yourself some bling bling uh, or whatever it might be. Again, you want to be planning that into your strategy choices because for the dream house, you're going to need lump sums of cash for the deposit, right? So you need to have that blend of active and passive income in your business, multiple streams of income. So having buy to let in just one location with one demographic of tenant is not particularly sensible. Have a number of maybe investment areas or or strategies that then diversify your portfolio. So the first part of the system is S for strategy. Give it some time. Give it some thought. You have five factors that influence your strategy, how much money you want to make, how much time you have on a weekly basis, how much property experience you already have, how much capital you have access to, and how old you are, right? Where are you in your life cycle? Those five factors will shape the strategies that you should be choosing. All right. The second letter in our acronym system is Y for your investment area, your area. So you've chosen your strategy first. Now we are looking at your investment area. Now, again, this is a little bit of a tricky one for people starting out because they just say, where are the best deals? (laughs) And it's a little bit of a broad question to be asking. This is why choosing your strategy first and then finding a location where your strategy performs best is a better order um, to do things in. Okay, so... Um, what factors do you need to take into consideration? Again, your time that you have on a weekly basis to dedicate uh, to your property business. If you are seriously time poor, there is no sense in choosing an investment area that's a five hour drive away because the amount of time that you can spend in your investment area is incredibly limited due to your job or your personal circumstances. So again, there's many factors you need to consider, but what we're looking at is the compromise of where are you gonna make the most money? Where do the numbers stack up best? And how often can you get there? How accessible is it for you in your current uh, uh, situation? Ideally, you want to be visiting your investment area um, no less than once a month, ideally twice a month, um, and then spending you know a couple of hours or so arranging um, uh, viewings and visits to your investment area during the week. So your investment area is going to be dictated by your strategy, the numbers, and your personal circumstances. Okay, so the best way for you to have a quick look 
if you're starting out, is to look at the current location that you live in based on your strategy, the numbers, how do they stack up? Then look at maybe half an hour away in all directions, then an hour away in all directions, 90 minutes away in all directions. However, of course, if you are choosing a strategy that's quite uh, niche or specific to a particular demographic like service accommodation or HMOs, then you're going to be far more dictated by choosing a town or a city that are going to attract your particular demographic you're wanting to attract, your, your avatar, if you like. So strategy first is very important. Then your investment area comes second. Then our next letter in our acronym is the sourcing of the deals, S for sourcing deals. Okay, so um, when you're first starting out, uh, people tend to go onto Rightmove or onto Zoopla or go onto any of the online um, estate agents and look at properties that are currently listed. Then they start speaking to estate agents, speaking to letting agents, which is all good stuff, which is all good stuff. Well, if you're in a very competitive market, as we are at the moment, everyone is doing the same thing. And if you learn from the likes of Warren Buffett, who says, do the opposite to the masses, then we need to choose a strategy for sourcing deals that's a little bit different to what everyone else is doing. Once that property is listed on the market, it's like a feeding frenzy on a carcass. It's crazy at the moment. So maybe get yourself a strategy, a marketing strategy for getting direct to vendor deals, off market deals. Okay, so this is where you're looking for generating leads that may or may not lead to you putting an offer in. All right, so let's think of some ideas of how you can get a marketing strategy to get off-market deals. Well, you can be super creative by uh, standing outside a football or rugby match with a sandwich board attached to you saying, we buy houses for cash. Um, or you could sponsor a local football team, a kid's football team, um, and have your advert in the program that all the spectators are reading. You can have your goldmine adverts out in the little classified sections of the local newspapers. You can have a social media campaign. You can pay for Facebook ads where you're looking to attract people online who are thinking about selling their house. And at the moment, you know, we're coming to the end of the year, we're in the winter months, and people will find themselves in financial difficulty and maybe selling their property is the solution for them and you can help them. The cost of selling a property through an estate agent you know, it's not insignificant. They've got the marketing fees. They've got the photographs that need to be taken. They've got to pay the agent 1% of the price that the agent gets for them. Not only that, think of the most stressful thing to do in an adult life. Get married, get divorced, death, and move house, and apparently going on holiday. Those are all the things that are apparently the most stressful thing that a human can do. Um, so, you know, they're going to have to clear out all their cupboards, uh, minimalize, everything they're going to have to um when all the viewings are taking place they're they're going to be uh, having to keep the place all tidy hiding their dirty laundry in the car and the hoover in the car so that the the house doesn't uh, show that there's literally no storage space you know there's always these little tricks that people get up to when viewing their properties so you could save someone doing all of that saving them time money and stress 
So this could be a marketing angle that you go down. It could be having money problems, saving, uh, facing money difficulties, call Caroline, want to sell your house, uh, save on agency's fees, sell your house fast with your name and number. So your marketing strategy for getting direct to vendor could encompass a huge array of options. I love just speaking to people in uh, my local investment area and talking to as many people as possible from the postman to the hairdresser to the taxi drivers uh, to the nosy neighbors, you know, getting everyone involved in the fact that you are looking to purchase distressed, smelly properties. Uh, and I've had students that put social media campaigns out there offering referral fees to their friends and family. If they bring them leads and then they go ahead and put an offer in on that property and buy it, then they will pay a referral fee. So this sourcing deals, I find, is the real fun part. It, for me, is the chase, the chase with the deal and become like a little terrier dog seeking out the bones and you're going to wrestle that bone until it's yours. Um, and you know, you can be as creative with this as possible. You've got your hunting brief because you know what your strategy is. You know your targeted investment area. So now you can go to town on it. You can literally own that area by making sure that everyone knows exactly what it is that you're looking for. Okay, so sourcing deals is the fun part. Really enjoy this. Obviously, the more often you're in your investment area, the more um, on the ground you can be with talking to people. But if you can't be on your uh, on the ground too much, then maybe a Facebook advertising campaign, social media, local newspapers, Gumtree, those types of strategies are going to work better for you. So make it fit around what your circumstances are, what you're trying to achieve, but have fun with it. Maybe get yourself a separate mobile phone number for all your adverts because you will have a few crazy people call you just because they see a name and a number. They might phone you for a little chat. Okay, so uh, we're at S for strategy, Y for investment area, your area, S for sourcing deals, and now we are at T for team. You cannot be a successful property investor trying to do this all by yourself. Those of you that are already investing, you'll know just how many plates you have to spin. And so having a phenomenal team around you is essential to keep things running smoothly. So I break it down into a minimum of two teams. I have the national team, as in the ones that I need to run the mothership of my business. And I call them the national team because it does not matter where they're based in the country. So don't get too hung up on the fact that they need to be in your investment area or where you live. You just want the best person in the whole of the country. So you want your tax advisor, your accountant, your bookkeeper, you want your broker, you want your estate planner, your pension guy, your insurance broker, uh, your lease option solicitor, your conveyancing solicitor for buying and selling, then you might need another lawyer for your party will agreements. You know, there's a lot of people that you're gonna have that you need at your disposal regardless of your investment area and what strategy you're doing. So they're looking at the overall picture of your business. And then you're gonna need your local team and local to your investment area. So if you're investing in like three different areas, then you're gonna need three local teams. And that would 
incorporate your estate agent, your letting agents, your builders, contractors, your surveyors, your valuers. Maybe if you're using a sourcing agent, then a sourcing agent that's specific to that location. Um, architect needs to be specific to that location, ideally. And then, of course, splinter people like damp specialists, roof specialists, bat surveyors, um, you know, and, and you can really go very, very niche on your, your local area team. So... <clears throat> Once you get to a size where it's all feeling like you're managing too many people, then again, leverage someone else. Get your uh, virtual assistant or your assistant that works for you to or works with you to help manage your letting agents. Right? If you've got a number of different letting agents emailing you about various things, that can be overwhelming. And you want to be spending your time doing high value tasks, tasks that make you money. Whenever I'm training my students, I'm saying, look, your two highest value tasks are simply sourcing deals and raising money. That's it. Sourcing deals and raising money, right? Yes, some planning needs to go into what your strategy is and some research needs to go into what your investment area is. However, the sourcing the deals and the raising the money are effectively the highest value tasks in your business. Okay, now, yes, there's knowledge that sits behind that when you're running numbers and doing deal analysis as well. But frankly, the sourcing the leads, the deals, and the raising the money are your high value tasks. Anything else, you should outsource and pay someone else to do it. Now, I know if you have come from a family that's, you know, looking after the pennies to save the pounds, this will feel quite uncomfortable. Why am I paying someone to make those phone calls when I could easily make those phone calls myself? You need to get into the mindset of, frankly, your team are there to support you, to alleviate the feeling of having to spin too many plates so that you can focus on the most invaluable tasks, the most valuable tasks in your business. So your team are essential for your success. Hire people better than you. If a tax advisor starts talking to me about stuff that I have no clue about, then that's a good sign. You want to be hiring people better than you. You should be the, uh, the instigator, the innovator, the ideas person that wants to implement you know, finding the deals and raising the money, but everyone else around you needs to be way, way better at that particular topic than you are, right? Um, and I, being being humble and recognizing your strengths and weaknesses really helps you hire the best team. If their price seems high to you, then don't be put off by that. Price is what you pay, value is what you get. I always get concerned if someone seems too cheap, Okay, which again goes against everything I was brought up to believe. Yeah, if you look after the pennies, the pounds take care of themselves. But if I want someone to be managing an essential part of my business, like my tax and my accountancy, um, then guess what? I want to pay them really, really well to keep me on the right side of everything. Make sure that I'm ahead of the game on everything. To be keeping one eye on the lending side of things as well as the tax side of things. Not being too one-dimensional in their approach. And what I've discovered over the years is, you know, solicitors can be very one-dimensional. They're constantly thinking about protection, protection, protection. And actually, um, I want my solicitor to be thinking about... Um, creative ways of growth, 
not just protection, protection, protection. So uh, someone who has a little bit of a mindset for progression, if they're a solicitor, is important to me. Likewise, if I'm looking at my tax advisor and all they are concerned about is saving me paying tax, then again, that's a concern because frankly, I need to be able to get lending. So I want a tax advisor that's going to understand what lenders look for when they're making decisions to lend or not, because if I don't get lending, I can't grow my business. And from a broker's point of view, I want them thinking about my, uh, my, my financial products of going into a deal as well as my financial products of coming out of the deal as well. So they're not just thinking one dimensionally about the here and the now, but they're actually thinking um, ahead on what I'm trying to achieve, the long-term goal. So sharing your vision, sharing your long-term goal with your national team is a good idea so they understand what decisions to make that are best suited for the long-term game plan. Okay, so we have S for strategy, Y for your area, S for sourcing deals, and T for team. This is in our acronym system. So now we have E. E is really, really important. In fact, it's absolutely essential. And E is for evaluating the numbers. Yeah, evaluating the numbers, evaluating the deal. So every single deal, every single lead that comes your way isn't necessarily a deal. And there's a huge difference between buying a property where you can just get a deposit and a mortgage and poof, you've got a property and buying a deal that makes you money right from day one and you can effectively get an infinite return on your investment. Okay, so how do we differentiate buying a bog standard property versus buying a deal where you make money from day one? It's the numbers, the data. The numbers tell you what to do. So I'm not just going to talk about evaluating property numbers. I'm going to be talking about evaluating numbers where you're deciding about your investment area, for example. Is that an area that you should be um, investing in? Is there enough stock for you to be buying? How many transactions are happening there? The data as a property investor, it tells you what to do. So it takes away that entire stress behind making decisions. And again, as human beings, we get very, very um, uh, anxious about our ability to make decisions. Are we doing the right thing? Particularly if we've never done it before. Okay, so this evaluating the numbers piece is essential. And if you've got formulas or calculations that you can follow. And, you know, this all comes down to the system again, right? If you plug in the numbers and the numbers tell you it's a deal, then you're doing it. There's no decision to make. You're putting the offer in. If you plug in the numbers and it doesn't stack up, then you're walking away from it. And you want it to be as fireproof as that, as, as, as safeguarded as possible to be absolutely in no doubt in your mind that the numbers tell you that this deal is gonna stack up. It tells you how much money you're gonna get out of the deal. It tells you how much money you're gonna make. It tells you how long it's gonna take for it to be an infinite return on investment. It tells you everything. And therefore it tells you the number in which you should be offering. And so you don't need to get hung up on about, oh, my negotiation, how do I negotiate? How do I negotiate? You don't need to negotiate. The number is the number. That's the number you're willing to pay. Boom, done, right? 
And one of the most common questions I'm asked and some of the other trainers and mentors within Property Wealth System are asked are, how do we negotiate? It's like, well, you don't. (laughs) Particularly if it's with an estate agent, right? Your offer is your offer. And you know that, okay, you can maybe go up in very small increments to a certain point, but beyond that point, it's not a deal anymore. So the evaluating of the numbers was a really, really essential part for me. I was scared of doing a bad deal. If I did one bad deal, that was it. Financially finished. So I needed to be very confident in the decisions that I was making for putting offers in. And if you take the decision piece out, even better, right? So formulas, tried and tested, stress-tested formulas and calculations. So formulas that incorporate, well, what happens if the interest rate goes up? Well, that's covered. What happens if there's a void period and there's a a period of time where the tenant's moved out and a new tenant's moving in? What happens if the boiler blows up? What happens with covering all the gas safety certificates and the PAT tests and all that kind of stuff? That's covered right? So every single element within investing in property, owning, buying, holding that property is incorporated and stress tested in the formulas and the calculations. So this evaluating the numbers piece is really, really essential for you to preventing you from making mistakes. One of the biggest fears I'm constantly dealing with with my students is the fear of losing money, right? And if you can evaluate the numbers using tried and tested formulas and calculations, then you mitigate that risk of losing money. You take that off the table in order to ensure that you're confident in going into the deal. You will have certainty and clarity on the outcome before you've even gone into the deal all based on the numbers. And don't worry, if you're terrible at maths, then that's okay. I took an extra year to get my maths uh, qualification at school. I was not particularly good at maths. I had a maths tutor. I had the whole works going on there because I really struggled with maths. But tell you what, when it comes to uh, those numbers equating to money in my pocket, I suddenly became pretty good at maths. (laughs) I'm helping my eight-year-old with his times table and I'm having to cheat my times tables are terrible right but if you got me a commercial property I could evaluate that forwards backwards and upside down and back to front all all different angles right so don't worry if you weren't very good at maths at school that doesn't make you money but evaluating a property transaction will okay So we're very nearly at the end of our acronym system. S for strategy, Y for your area, S for sourcing the deals, T for team, E for evaluating the numbers, and M for, guess what? Money, 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 money. Okay, so (laughs) the, the biggest challenge and mindset shift people need to make is on the money piece, right? Do you need money to invest in property? Well, you're going to need to put money in for sure, but does it need to be your money? Nah, it just needs to be someone's money, right? So the raising money piece is essential for you to grow and scale your business. 
Now, if you're listening to me now and you're already a Property Well System student, you've been trained by us, you'll know how much we talk about raising money and how simple, simple it is. But of course, you know, you've all come on a journey whereby you've had to, well, first of all, disbelieve that. You don't believe it because you've been trained that you have to work hard for money, save for a rainy day before you can get something that you want. But in actual fact, once you get into where all the money is, it's relatively simple for you to get your hands on it. I didn't say the word easy. I said simple. Okay, so there are three types of money for your property transaction. Institutional money requires red tape, loan documentation, a credit profile, and probably a quite a lot of time. Let's face it. Banks don't make decisions quickly. <laughs> And then you've got private money, my favorite. Infinite amount of that available. Terms and conditions you dictate and you're helping other people that have a money problem. They have too much money in the bank that is rotting away due to inflation rates going up and interest rates being low. So I love private money. And then the third one is creative money where you're maybe selling a liability or selling a skill or you're doing something a little bit out of the ordinary to raise that seed capital. Yeah. Okay. So if we were to, you know, write a list of how many places that you can raise money, we would, we would get in, in excess of 30, would probably get close to 40 different places that you can raise money for your property transactions. Right. And while we write that list, that's all very well and good, but intricately, how do we then, you know, get an angel investor? How do we get a joint venture partner? How do you set up a syndicate? You know, how do you use crowdfunding? You know, all these questions will start coming out of the woodwork, right? So having people around you who have used these techniques and implemented them in their business will really, really help you. So the first thing that really sent a shiver down my spine when I was trained to, you know, use other people's money and, you know, talk about angel investors, was this idea or concept of asking someone for money. So I just took that off the table. I thought, there's no danger I'm ever going to ask someone for money. That just feels dirty to me. And not only that, um, my trainer kept talking about speaking to friends and family. And again, I was like, uh, been there, done that. I've got a failed business. I've already been to my family for money. So that's off the table too. So I was kind of narrowing down all the way along the lines, right, well, I'm not going to ask someone for money and I'm, I'm not going to ask friends and family for money. I'm not going to ask anyone that I know for money. So what are my options? And so, you know, I was beginning to think, I don't know if this is going to work for me, but in actual fact, because I made things challenging at the beginning by putting those restrictions, it's, it's actually opened up incredible doors. My favorite place to raise money is from complete strangers. And I find I get really good success with complete strangers. Um, and I, I'm at the stage, you know, 14 years in where I have friends and family coming to me and wanting to give me money, but I'm in the luxurious position where I say, well, actually, I, I, don't, I don't need that. I don't want that. But I tell you what, I'd rather give my friends and family the interest than a complete stranger. So that's quite a nice place to go. And I think, you know, it's an, it's, it's an evol evolution, right? You, um, whatever your circumstances, whatever your challenges are, it will actually become a strength for you. Okay. 
So how do you not ask someone for money? Well, you just tell people what you do. Tell people what you do and you just plant seeds, plant seeds. And I guess you will guys, you guys will be really, you'll be doing it already on social media, right? Whereby you will be planting seeds, telling people what you do, telling people that you're a property investor um, and people will just be interested. You know, if you put a, a post on social media saying, just paid one of my investors 5,000 pounds for their money this year, what would you do with an extra 5,000 pounds? You know, that will just pique someone's interest. Now, I have never used social media for this, right? So again, if you're not into social media, I closed that door too. So <laughs> I really made life difficult for myself. But like I say, I think it worked. It worked because it made me more resourceful. Um, so talking to people when I'm walking my dog in the park, talking to people when I'm um, playing tennis, talking to people when I'm at the school gates, talking to people um, when I'm at the gym, you know, anyone who's having a conversation with me about what they do, you know, work and identify, you know, your, your, your job is your identity, right? So people naturally want to put you in a pigeon, uh, pigeonhole of like, well, what do you do? Wh which box do you fit in? And so you're always given the opportunity to talk about what you do when you're at the hairdressers, when you're getting your nails done, when you go for beauty treatment, you know, okay, boys, get yourself some facials, whatever it is, there's always opportunities to speak to brand new people about what you do. Now, once you get a little more confident, you can say to these complete strangers, actually, um, I'm working on a property deal at the moment. Do you know anyone who might be interested in getting 8% on their money? You're not asking them for money. You're asking if they know someone that might be interested in getting 8%. There's a difference, right? So how you frame it, the language that you use, uh, the, how confident that you're appearing can really um, make a massive difference. So once I've spoken to my beauty therapist over and over again about what I do, you know, I, she, you know, she'll be more interested. She'll ask more questions and you can get more confident about, well, do you know anyone? Um, and she, well, let's face it. She's sitting there with clients streaming through her door on a daily basis, paying for expensive beauty treatments. Of course, she knows people that have got money, but you know, let's make her resource and say, I tell you what, if you know anyone who invests with me, I'll give you 1% of what they invest. Now she's incentivized, right? And that's what I did. I just, again, leveraged off other people knowing other people and have a stream of strangers coming to lend you money. You're solving their problem. You are helping them. And when you frame it in that way, you become far more confident in your approach. Um, it feels less seedy. Uh, and, and ultimately, it's a win-win. You're acquiring assets and you're helping giving them, you're helping the, prevent their money rotting in the banks, right? So this money, along with the sourcing deals, you can use very similar marketing campaigns, but just for generating leads for different things. And then you literally match the two together. You have a marketing funnel for the deals. You have a marketing funnel for your money. It sounds very convoluted saying marketing funnel, but actually all I'm meaning is just talking to people about, you know, what you're looking for, and then people will bring you those leads and then you marry the two together. Obviously, with the background of being able to evaluate the numbers, assess them all, um, and have your team support you, right? And this is the system that 
I've followed for 14 years that uh, I've trained students to follow for well over 11 years now all over the world. This system you can implement in business, property investing, even in the stock market, right? In, in any investment vehicle you choose to create your wealth with. Um, and I think if you can get your heads around all the little pieces of the puzzle and have them flowing nicely, gelling nicely together, and that's where you'll really start seeing phenomenal results. So along with following the system, make sure you're in a network of people who are doing what you want to do, that you can ask for help and support at any opportunity. Get yourselves educated on the, on the areas that you're struggling with. Um, get, get, get fully niche knowledge in strategies that you're wanting to follow. Remember, the more strategies you know and learn and understand, the, the, the more income streams you have coming into your property business. So the more safe your business is, the more diverse it is, and the more economy proof it is, right? No matter what happens in the market, you are robust to any changes that are coming your way. As professional investors, we don't sweat the small stuff, right? We don't worry about the same stuff that 99% of the population do, right? So if I was to speak to uh, a stranger on the street about investing in property and say, what would be your biggest concerns about investing in property? They'd say a property market crash, interest rates going up, having lots of mortgage debt, not finding a tenant, the tenant trashing the property, right? Those are the most common stresses or worries that Joe Blogs out there would have. These are not worries or stresses that I have or our students or our network have because we're way beyond that. We, that's just th those five that I've just listed. They're just scratching the surface worries, right? Beyond that, once you're equipped and um, got the knowledge on how to, to manage all of those through your analysis and evaluating the data and your, your investment area and all that stuff, then actually none of those things even come into the equation. They're not worries or fears that we hold, okay? So get yourself surrounded with people doing it, get yourself educated and just do it. Don't let yourself hold yourself back. You are your biggest problem. <laughs> and that sounds so, so mean to say that, but you genuinely are your biggest problem. And if you become quite self-aware of what your fears and your worries are, and maybe do a SWOT analysis on yourself, I'll maybe do a, a podcast episode on how to do a SWOT analysis on yourself, then, then you can really equip yourself to move forward, no matter what minor challenges, worries, or what that little voice in your head is saying to you. So I hope you've enjoyed the content of today's episode. Remember to uh, join our Facebook community, Property Wealth System community on Facebook, uh, and check out our next episode. Look forward to speaking with you again soon.